Oshkosh Air Venture 2017. This is Chris, and I was just walking across uh, the grounds here and happened to run into Dave Pasco. How are you doing, Dave? Hey, I'm good, Chris. How are you? Very good. If you don't know, Dave is the uh, founder and uh, and the guy who uh, runs LiveATC.net. I'm sure most everybody is familiar with it. I happen to be running the uh, Deer Valley version of uh, that feed out of my house, and uh, I was just talking to Dave about uh, some things I can do to kind of tweak the signal to make it a little bit better. And then Dave started talking about all the different... uh, um, what do you call radios and, and people doing this? Tell, tell us what's going on in your world with that. Well, uh, Live ATC, uh, we started about 15 years ago, and uh, we, over the past 15 years, been on a high kind of a growth uh, spurt uh, and just keeps going. Now it seems to be getting even steeper. We've got new technology that allows us to uh, deploy receivers much more efficiently in smaller space, lower power, uh, lower bandwidth even, uh, even though bandwidth keeps increasing for the world. We keep using uh, less of it to produce the same quality sound. So uh, we've got all kinds of different recipes for different installations, and uh, we're just working harder and harder to make it easier to install receivers so we can get more airports on the network and more channels at each airport, separate them out more so you're not, uh, you know, say, listening to ground tower and approach all scanning and stepping on each other. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've been working really hard on that and having a lot of success, so. In the beginning, uh, what would the uh, hardware look like when you were starting? <laughs> in the beginning, it looked like you know desktop PCs and laptops and Windows and Windows sound cards. And then you know not long after that, just due to a lot of limitations in Windows and how it deals with sound, we went to Linux. Uh, I've got a, a lot of many years of uh, Linux and other types of kind of Unix experience before that, and uh, we found some good recipes, but they were still desktop computers like mini ITX boxes, which we still use in some cases, but uh, that and radio scanners that are, you know, a lot heavier than what we use now, and then uh, when the Raspberry Pi emerged a few years ago, um, it made it really clear that that was the way to go. Still Linux, still kind of like a little embedded computer platform, and uh, hardly ever goes down. Doesn't need updates all the time. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't download updates at 3 a.m. like Windows did long, long ago and reboots itself and then reorders sound cards <laughs> and then all the channels are jumbled up. We had all kinds of, you know, really distracting issues early on. But now, and we're also using these um, things called uh, software-defined radios. They're little SDR, SDRs. Yeah. They're little uh, USB dongles for those who aren't familiar with them. And it looks like a little thumb drive, but it's a radio. And that, combined with some really uh, excellent software, enables us to do all kinds of stuff, combining channels and, you know, feeding. It's almost like, in an ideal situation, if you have the right frequencies at your airport, uh, one of those little SDR dongles can be the equivalent of eight one-channel radios, if such a radio existed. Okay. So, but the frequencies have to be close enough. And uh, But the, the software is going through all kinds of evolution. It's uh, improving all the time, and we're... Uh, continuing to help support the development it's kind of an open source thing but uh how many countries yeah. in now uh countries all together i think we are in uh, i don't have that one off the top of my head but i think we're, we're in at least 50 countries wow uh so and it just keeps expanding there's some countries we're not in just due to regulations sure. and we lost a couple countries due to that but, oh really uh, yeah they well yeah the, a lot of the countries um they really think uh that atc communication should be secure and they they almost they actually equate it in the laws that they have to wiretapping, oh. even though it's an innocent educational activity. Yeah. Uh, but what's odd about it is they'll still allow ADSB signals to be picked up and airplanes to be tracked. You know, so if people are worried about, um, I don't know, 
you know, a lot of people worry about security. Yeah. Without any real thought for, well, what's the real threat? They just they just have these sort of vague notions of, well, you know, if people can listen to that, you know, bad things can happen. Well, what? What what bad could happen? There's really nothing. Nothing, yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, here and in all the countries where it's allowed, we have a tremendous amount of uh, education going on for pilots. We we support the NTSB. We support uh, the NTSB equivalent in Canada. Oh, yeah. Every time there's any kind of incident, accident, whatever, you name it, aviation-related, they grab your files. Absolutely. And that's, that's a great resource for them. Yeah, they, of course, they have access to other you know, files from the FAA, but sometimes uh, equipment malfunctions, theirs might malfunction, ours might malfunction, but uh, in, in a lot of the cases, one of us will have it. Yeah. And so I was talking to some NTSB folks at Sun and Fun, and they said, yeah, it's one of the first things they do, <laughs> is, is they, because it's so easy to, to get at it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so there's lots of things. There's obviously entertainment value for av geeks. There's, uh, like I said, the training stuff. Um, and then just people who, uh, not even pilots, but they, uh, they'll, they'll experience a go-around. You know, oh, yeah. while they're on a commercial flight, and they they write in, and they want to get the file because yeah. they they want to find out why it why happened. Why do they do it? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's it's interesting. It's a lot of fun. Uh, this is it's really been early on. It was a collision of uh, hobbies, <laughs> and I was I was actually using it when I first created it to be able to listen to uh, my local approach control in Boston uh, because I wasn't I didn't live close enough to actually pick it up on my radio, so I had to put some radios close to the airport. Yeah, and that's how it got started. I know uh, for myself, before I ever um, started flying, I was listening to it while I was at work and stuff, you know. And then I, I, I start my flight training, and about, I think, my third flight, I told my, uh, I told my uh, flight instructor, I said, I got the radios from now on. She's like, what? <laughs> I was like, I think I can do it. I think I can do it. And I'm sure I fumbled through it a little bit or whatever, but I had so much of it in my head for over the last several years of just listening. That it, you know, it seeps in. You understand the uh, cadence and you know John you know the ty- the the flow of what you should do if you've heard it so many times and you know because of you you know I felt more comfortable on the radio at a, not just a towered airport but Deer Valley Airport the busiest general aviation airport in the country so um, I hope it didn't look too stupid in the beginning but I think thank to, thanks to you I, I, I did pretty good yeah it's it's really uh, I can't tell you how many pilots I've run into here just told me you know exactly the same story you did and and for me it was the same thing I. I learned, uh, I put those uh, Boston frequencies up, and that's where I was flying and doing my instrument rating. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, even though I was infusing, you know, all of that sound and knowledge, um, the first time I had to really put it all together in the cockpit, I had to think about it before I came, <laughs> before I pressed the microphone button. So, uh, but then, but once you get over that initial, you know, f- uh, sort of, you know mind to mouth coordination yeah uh then it becomes really easy because now you've heard all the different you've learned the phraseology you've also learned it from your flight instructor yeah but you get a mix of both you get here's how it's supposed to work here's what you're supposed to say and you know most in most places controllers stick to standard phraseology but every once in a while you're going to go to a place where they get into more sort of plain english the shortcuts Shortcuts. i fly through new york a lot so you know you'll get a lot of shortcut oh lingo and stuff but they're all still really you know adhering to just the way they do it there yeah so it is a tiny bit different and in other places it's a little bit different that's the cool thing like if you can uh say you're going to take a trip to canada and you want to see you know how things work up there you can do that and uh before you get there so all the other things that you have to pay attention to, customs and all that sort of stuff, it's, it eliminates one variable, yeah. you know, for you, at least in your knowledge, and sure. it'll make you more comfortable when you get there. So, cool stuff. Yeah. Well, do you have any needs right now? Any uh, specific airports that you've been trying to hunt down someone to uh, take over that you, that, you, that you want to throw out there? 
Um, we, we could use a little bit better split out coverage in places like Miami. Um, need a little bit better uh, coverage, although we've got pretty good coverage in LAX. But a lot of the big airports, what we're looking for is redundancy. Mm-hmm. So really, uh, it's hard to come up with a, with a definitive list. But if, uh, if you live near an airport, if you're, say, within 10 miles, or you live on a hill and you're 10 to 15 miles away, and your airport's not on, then contact us. Just go to the website, liveatc.net, fill out the contact form, and uh, we'll, we'll work with you. In a lot of cases, we'll provide equipment. Uh, sometimes people like to own their own equipment and okay. kind of learn about the technology, and that's cool too. So we sell systems that are just plug-and-play. Uh, and in cases where it's a, an airport we really need or need redundancy, we'll send a unit out. And it'll just be, you know, you set up a little antenna, you plug it in, and that's it. Yeah, I got to say, it was it was pretty easy, pretty much plug and play. Um, I think I uh, chatted with you on the phone a little bit on the setup of it, and, I mean, we were up and running in a few minutes. It was nice. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, radio analog. This is a, kind of an analog technology, even though we digitize everything and then send it out digitally. Um, uh, VHF radio for aviation is very much an analog technology. And, uh, you know, it'd still be here for some time. Uh, things are advancing now where uh, data link uh, that's going on, you know, places like O'Hare, uh, even takeoff clearances now in some cases are going over data link, so you won't hear anything on the radio. But there will still be radio, but more and more over time, some of the more mundane things where there isn't a lot of, say, pilot and controller interaction that's needed, okay. that stuff will start to kind of diminish and the radio traffic will get, you know, less and less. And it's going to only going to be for the things where, you know, you, like being vectored for an approach, things like that. That's, we'll still hear that stuff, I think, for some time. Gotcha, gotcha. So how's the rest of your Osh going? You, have you been here the, the whole week so far? I've been here all week. It's just been a uh, phenomenal uh, week. This is one of the uh, full weeks. I stay a little shorter uh, last year because of scheduling. But uh, I've been here since last Saturday, and I'm looking forward to going home, but, you know, it's uh, every year uh, I love to see uh, all the new technology, uh, but more and more it's just you come back for the people. Yeah. And uh, met up with tons and tons of people this week and had a great time and shared a lot of knowledge, you know, learned a lot of things every single day. I think every single hour I learned something new. Because there's a lot, I, there's a lot we all don't know. Yeah. Uh, even though we, we think we've been exposed to a lot. Uh, here, here is where you really get over, overdose, you know. Speaking of being exposed to a lot, you're just signed up to be exposed to hypoxia. <laughs> I did, so I'm uh, I'm going in in about an hour. Never, I've never done a hypoxia chamber, and uh, I watch. I pass by the FAA uh, building where they have it here a couple of times and watch people. And uh, I, I just like. I think every pilot should do that, though. Uh, we all Good have idea. Be, we all have to be mindful of uh, of hypoxia effects, especially if you have a plane that'll get up into the altitudes where you have to worry about it. Yeah. I live in the Phoenix area, so constantly going up north uh, to uh, Flagstaff, Sedona. Of course, that's five, 7,000 feet or whatever. Um, you get up to 10 sometimes crossing ridges if you want to try and reduce some of the uh, bumps and stuff in and out of there. So you got to be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful. And also at night, um, you know, even at altitudes as low as five or 6,000 feet at night, you'll get uh, vision effects from uh, uh, lack of oxygen. So everybody should at very least just understand what their... Uh, Oxygen level is you know, pulse oximeter costs you like forty bucks. Yeah, you not can, even. You I can, don't think. No, yeah. I mean I've you can buy them everywhere. Yeah. So you know whether you go to an aviation shop, which will probably charge you a little Amazon. more. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. They're all over Amazon. Yeah. There's like at least a dozen of them on there, and yeah. uh, 
once I got one of those, uh, gave me a lot more uh, knowledge. And uh, I do have oxygen now, a portable oxygen tank that I can take if we have to go, you know, higher, uh, some of the higher altitudes, which we don't usually do. But yeah, uh, I think about it more for just having it there for night flying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, enjoy your last, uh, you leaving on Sunday? Yeah, leaving tomorrow morning, bright and early. Okay, yeah, I'm taking off uh, that evening. So enjoy your uh, last uh, day and a half or so here at Oshkosh, and thanks for uh, giving us some time with you. Well, no, thank you for uh, giving us the time, and it was great to see you again, Chris. All right, well, this is Chris for uh, the In the Pattern Podcast. This is Oshkosh 2017, signing off.